This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mindful Experiment. This is your host, Dr. Vic. And in this wonderful interview with Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan, I had the pleasure to just dive deep with her. You know, when I first saw her book, Super Wellness, and I see the foreword being done by Wim Hof, I'm going, whoa, Wim Hof? Oh, this is awesome. And it was a pleasure to get to know her. What an amazing human being. What an amazing journey of what she went through and what she's doing for the world and being an amazing uh, healer and so much more. She is so, her book and everything she's done is based on 15 years of professional experience and a lifetime of research. She can answer a lot of questions. And in her, her book, Super Wellness, she debunks some of the greatest myths to our health, myths that have dogged us, causing 
unnecessary frustration, pain, and suffering for far too long. She backs it all by science and clinical trials. Uh, Dr. Edith is a holistic Chinese medicine doctor. She's an author, speaker, and coach who has devoted her life to unlocking the secrets of our human potential. She shares a refreshing new approach to wellness that integrates science, medicine, and spirituality. She'll share in the episode about her story and how it all began in 2003 with a series of meditation-induced mystical experiences, which gave her extraordinary insights into our human possibilities. She believes that health is our birthright. It's our natural state. Dr. Edith has been featured on CNN, Yoga Journal, Lalu Macy's Juicy Living Tour, The Goddess Project, Documentary, and more. Her academic background includes a doctoral degree from five branches university in endocrinology and neuromuscular medicine, a graduate degree from American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine, and a bachelor's with magnum cum laude in applied mathematics from Harvard University. Through her seminars and programs, Dr. Edith helps visionary pioneers become masters of their energy, alignment, and joy so that they can lead and serve at the highest levels. Weaving together ancient wisdom and modern science, super wellness is a practical and powerful distillation of Dr. Edith's entire life's work. You can find out more about the doctor and her work at her website, but you can even listen in and tune in to her story in a little bit more, and she'll share all that and just more in this episode. So with no further ado, here is Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan. So Dr. Edith, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Can I talk, call you Dr. Vic? Yeah, that works. Can people call you? Yeah. It's a big honor to be with you. I checked out your podcast before coming on, and I'm just so honored because you are obviously an amazing human being here to make massive change on the planet. So big honor to chat with you today. And I humbly appreciate those words. They mean a lot to me. So thank you for that. Um, you have a very unique background that I, I cannot wait to dive into. Um, uh, first question I just want to ask is, like, how does someone go from studying applied mathematics at Harvard to become a holistic Chinese medicine doctor? You know, it's such a funny question because people always used to ask me that early in my career as a holistic medicine doctor, I was always so shocked that that was the number one question that people would ask. It's not like, hey, can you help me with X condition? Or what should I eat? Or how should I change my lifestyle? Or what? how many sessions of this treatment will I need? It is this question that you asked me. And I've come to realize that when people are struggling with their health or going through a big life change and feeling stressed, feeling overwhelmed, it also makes people ask questions like, how do you change your life so drastically? And when I share my answer to this question, my patients are always telling me that actually, you know what, hearing your story was more important than any acupuncture or supplement or manual therapy that you gave me because it gave me permission to go and live my life stream. And a lot of my clients and patients tell me that that's actually, in hindsight, the big reason they decided to come see me, which is kind of funny because I'm a holistic doctor. I offer acupuncture, manual therapy, lab testing, functional medicine evaluation, all these things. But in the end, it is questions and conversations about these big life stories that really shift people. Just so interesting. So back to your question. <laughs> the answer is actually stems from when I was four years old. So I grew up in Hong Kong and Hong Kong is kind of like a 
bustling metropolis, busy city, very modern. And I have very modern parents who always got the best modern Western medical care. But when I was four years old, my dad had this horrible back pain. And my sister had this big swollen ankle after she sprained it and nothing was helping. And we have an uncle who's an MD and aunt who's like the head nurse of this big hospital. We always were very well connected in Western medicine. So we got the best care and nothing was helping my dad or my sister's ankle. So this is like 1980. I'm giving away my age, but, um, you know, we all know that age is just a number. This was 1980. So think way, way, way before Yelp reviews or like PubMed database or anything like that. You can't look any stuff up. There was no internet to look things up. And a friend of the family said, there's this like kind of strange Chinese Qigong healer guy. He has an office that is kind of tucked away in a back alleyway, but he really gets people results. If nothing else is helping, give this Qigong healer a, a try. And so my family was really skeptical, but we had tried everything. So it's like, well, let's just give it a try. What can it hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, this is back in 1980, the time of like VHS tapes, maybe Betamax even. <laughs> I totally remember it like it was yesterday. I was wearing this purple velour, like 80s warm up suit. And I was four years old and I tagged along for the adventure. And we went and saw this guy. He was dressed kind of like a monk with a robe and he had this huge belly. And I remember poking at his belly and being like, You have a big belly. <laughs> you know? And he said, This is chi. <laughs> And in one session, this guy emitted his chi with his hands, and my dad's back pain was better. In one session, he emitted chi, and my sister's ankle swelling came way down, visibly, in one session. And I thought, I don't know much. I'm only four, but I think this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. I love it. And of course, back in those days, you know, it's not like now, like alternative medicine has a lot of regulations now. You know, we have board exams and certifications. There's tons of research studies now you can find on PubMed for Qigong and acupuncture and chiropractic and nutrition and mind-body connection and all this stuff is so abundant now. But back then, that was like quackery. Yep. But we got the results. We saw it with our own eyes. So I told all the adults around me, my mom, my dad, my aunts, uncles, I was like, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. For months, I was like going around telling everybody, when I grow up, I'm going to be a crazy Chinese chi healer that heals people with my hands. And the adults, of course, they want the best for their children, always. All parents do. And they thought, there's no chance. We don't want you to be some back alleyway quack healer, you know? <laughs> it's like. We want you to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, buy a house, have 2.5 kids. Like, <laughs> that's what parents want safety for their kids, right? Yeah. So after months of asking my parents how I could become a Chinese chi healer, they said, there's no chance. You can't do that. You can't make a good living doing that. So I said, okay, well, maybe then my second choice is to be an astronaut because like most other kids... I would have these like 
dreamscapes of the stars. I had imaginary friends, which many of us know probably aren't imaginary. And I had all this awareness of the cosmos beyond the physical world. And I thought becoming an astronaut could maybe bring me closer to that, that understanding of how reality works. So the parents said, yes, be an astronaut. That's great. Go study math and science and be really good at math and science. And one day you could be an astronaut. So I set about being really good at math and science. And fast forward some years later, I graduated from Harvard with an applied math degree. And then by then, I had forgotten about the astronaut thing because the dot-com boom started. And there are many high-paying jobs in tech that lured Ivy League grads with math and science and engineering backgrounds. So I find myself in the middle of the dot-com boom, the first dot-com boom, working 80, 100-hour weeks, working my buns off, making really good money, really rocking at my job in tech, and I was miserable. Mm. Just living somebody else's life, basically. It was Employee of the Year Award, rising through the ranks, getting promotions, getting a good paycheck, and I was miserable. But I thought, well, you know, like I had... um, menstrual cramps and acne and gut pain and headaches and I was getting sick with colds and flus a lot and I would go see doctors or ask around and everybody says you know it's just stress that's just just take some ibuprofen Mm -hmm. and I thought okay well what do I know this is like my first foray into adulthood maybe that's how life is now Maybe that I just look around, everybody's a little bit stressed out, a little bit anxious, a little bit sick. Like, it's normal to be chronically stressed out in our society. I better just get used to this normal, you know? Exactly. And so one day, this is the big cathartic moment that was, I had no idea would be this huge turning point in my life. I was invited to this hire this um, senior meeting at this company that I was working at. And I've always had the gift of translating language between technical language and layperson language. So in this company, my job was as a project manager, bringing technical requirements back to business development and business requirements back to the technology team. I was kind of like a project manager, translator person. So I get invited sometimes to these higher up meetings, even though I was pretty junior in this company. So I got all excited because these are the really successful people in the industry. Like I get to bump shoulders with these super senior high ups. Many of them had already bought and sold companies, were multimillionaires and really respected, successful senior leaders in the industry. I got so excited. I was like, wow, finally I get to like meet these people that I dream to be when I grow up. And as soon as I walk into that board meeting, it was like the record player went eh, screeching to a halt when I looked around and I saw that these people were not particularly healthy, happy, fulfilled. They were like, they were showing me essentially a flash forward of if I stayed in this life path, more white hairs, more wrinkles, more fatigue, more overwhelm. You know, I can't know for sure what's going on with these people's lives. I'm sure some of them really love their job. But in that moment, when I looked around the room, 
it became suddenly crystal clear that I was living somebody else's life and not mine. That's huge. This, this voice said, hey, is this what you want to be when you grow up? Is this really what you want to be when you grow up? And in that moment, suddenly all that Qigong healing from age four, boom, the whole movie scene was shown to me. And it was like this cathartic moment where I said, oh, my goodness, that was the life I wanted. Not this one. What happened? <laughs> Who am I? How did I get here? You know? And so, wow, I, I can't remember anything from that meeting because I was just like spinning in my mind about the two like parallel reality lives I could choose. And so right after that meeting, I went back to my desk. And now this is the age of the internet where I can start looking things up. And I figured out how I could just just take a sabbatical go to Chinese medicine and see if I like that career. And so I actually made these, I was I'm so grateful. This company was so gracious to let me take a six month sabbatical to basically figure my life out. Nice. And, um, and they said, you know, you're awesome. We will always want to hire you back if you want to come back. And we totally understand my manager, the HR. I mean, it was just like magic how much they supported me. And of course that was, that was, also spurred by September 11th happened right around that time, which gave me the courage to think about life as finite, honestly. I think, I think we should all think about that more often, that we never know what tomorrow holds. And what if, what if the world changes drastically? If we look back, will we be pleased with how we spent our days with this precious life? And September 11th did that for me. It just really jolted my psyche in such a way that it made me feel a sense of urgency to go live my life, not somebody else's life. Um, so very soon after that, I quit the software job and went back to Chinese medicine school. And by now, there's uh, these graduate degree programs and board exams. And I realized there's double-blind placebo-controlled trials of alternative medicine. And there's so many cool things to explore that is not just like woo-woo quackery, but really rigid scientific studies of how this stuff works, the mind-body connection, mindfulness, qi, electromagnetic fields and how our energy fields interacts with the physical body and how acupuncture works and herbalism and supplements and all these alternative approaches are just kind of being um, coming into our consciousness around that time. And so I just ate it up. I went to Chinese medicine school the first day I knew I was in the right place and I never looked back since. And that was like 17 years ago. Wow. That's, that's so inspiring because, you know, to make that choice, you went down a career path and you kept, the universe kept like nudging you or life kept nudging you and saying, ah, this isn't it. I'm going to keep showing it to you, keep showing it to you. Yes. And then all of a sudden you finally took your power and said, okay, I'm going to go back. And you remembered your, your uh, uh, purpose as a child. That's just, that's just massive. And, and commend to, you know, commends to you for doing all that because that takes, that takes true uh, commitment, but trusting something you know, trusting something outside of you to make that choice and go down that path and know you're guided along the way. Well, the other thing that taught me so much is that, that, you know, I was making a high paying salary and suddenly I had no money and I was kind of young. I hadn't saved up much money, but luckily I had just met my now husband at that time. And we, we shacked up <laughs> to an eight foot by eight foot bedroom in a shared house. Me with my suitcase, my bike, his bike, my cat. 
one little tiny futon. And honestly, we were, I used to say we were eating rice and beans, but a lot of times it was like month to month, week to week. And I had some little part-time jobs on the side, but it was mostly rice with a little bit of seasoning, not even beans. (laughs) But all of my health ailments went away. All my headaches, my cramps, my stomach pains, my acne. I lost the extra pounds. My inflammation went way down. All these things that I was suffering from just vanished. I love it. And that is so powerful to realize that actually when we're living the wrong life, that is not our sole purpose, our mission. If we're misaligned in that way, it kind of doesn't matter with like the diet and exercise. Cause I was eating a pretty good diet. I was exercising regularly, but I was still sick. Yeah. And now I'm eating hardly even rice and beans. Some people might say, Oh, you're so malnutritioned, you know, but I was in that flow where the chi, the prana, the soul was like aligned in a certain way that all these ailments just vanished. You know, you bring up a great point about how like the body will never lie to you. You know, it always tells you what's going on, even from a perspective of, am I on the right path? Am I living the life I should be? Am I uh, uh, doing those types of things? And I would say when you're vibing, when you're in flow with the alignment with your vision, your purpose, the universe, or whatever you want to label it as, um, your health and life and overall everything just vibes higher and it shows. Yes. Yes. And that's why actually chapter one of my book is why eat right and exercise is not the key to your health. It goes right into it because now I've had the honor of serving thousands of people one-on-one through my clinical practice over the last decade and a half plus. And I counted something like probably over 35,000 hours, probably 40,000 hours of actual one-on-one clinical practice hours that I've logged to this day. And so that teaches me a lot that you can't ever learn in a textbook or in a school program, you know? And what I've discovered over and over, especially maybe Dr. Vic, you experience this, a lot of people who come to alternative medicine, they are already pretty health savvy. They're not out there eating lots of junk food. They're not like total couch potatoes usually. You know, if they seek out alternative medicine, they're already like reading some health books or watching some like health documentaries and stuff like that. And I keep finding that people who come to me so often, I can't fix anything about their diet and exercise. When I ask them to log their lifestyle, they are already pretty much eating a great diet, already pretty much moving their bodies the right way, but it's something else. And everything, especially with the diet piece, everything I ever taught, read, uh, learned, studied in books, in classes is so focused on diet and exercise. And it was like this big floodgate open the moment I asked the question, is it possible that diet and exercise is not the key to our health? And then the floodgates start to open and I start to realize the facts have been there all along. We've all met that person that eats the perfect diet, works out you know, religiously, but they still suffer from some kind of chronic ailment. And we've all met that person who really doesn't eat that awesome a diet, doesn't work out regularly, but they're so vibrant, so joyful, so full of life. They hardly ever get sick because they have some kind of like this mojo that is flowing through them, right? Because they're passionate, aligned, and soulful. But we've all seen that. So the facts are in our face that there is something beyond diet and exercise that we really need to start looking at. 
And so the my book that I wrote, Super Wellness, is in essence like like this invitation to open to a much grander possibility of what creates health and well being for us. So, you know, piquing my curiosity, it's one of those things, if it's not nutrition and exercise, what's the key? Okay, so in writing the book, I found this really interesting study that was in 2016 done in the UK. They took these groups of women and divided them into halves. It was a crossover study. So they did one intervention with one group, another intervention with the other group, then they flipped it to get double the data points. You probably know about crossover studies. Um, So what they did was they wanted to study the effects of diet and stress and how they interrelate, which I love because our Western society loves to just like divide our health into individual components, but a lot of times it's the synergy between different aspects of our life that gives the magic. And I'm sure you've experienced this in your clinical practice too. It's like, it's, it's sometimes one thing, but a lot of times it's multiple factors that come together that don't have just an additive result, but a really interesting synergistic result. Very true. This study was so fascinating. In 2016, they divided women into a high inflammatory diet group and an anti-inflammatory diet group. And they measured blood markers of inflammation, like C-reactive protein and a bunch of other inflammatory markers after they ate these diets, expecting that inflammatory foods will increase blood levels of inflammation. Anti-inflammatory foods would decrease, right? Well, guess what they found? Yeah, not according to what they thought. They found that if women, these women in the study... If they reported high levels of stress, it made no difference what they ate. They could eat the crappiest foods, still high inflammation. They could eat the anti-inflammatory diet, still high inflammation. The stress was keeping them in an inflamed state already, and eating the diet didn't change anything in these blood markers. Now, the low-stress group, it did change. If they reported low levels of stress in their life, then anti-inflammatory diet decreased inflammation yet further, and inflammatory foods increased the inflammation as they expected. So this is just one study. Who knows what like the grand reality, the ultimate truth is, but it's one very important piece of data that we should look at, which is that according to this study, it may be that if you don't have your stress well managed, it almost doesn't matter what you eat or don't eat. So it could be secondary. It's like, it's, so the point that I try to make is like, I write this chapter one, why eat right and exercise is not the key. It's just to grab people's attention. It's not that we should all go out there and be couch potatoes (laughs) and eat, you know, like eat junk food all day long. That's not the point. It's just that there are other things that may be even more important as a foundation before you can get the best results from your diet and exercise. There's all these other really hugely important things that we just skip over in our health. No, it's, uh, it's so true. I mean, even from a chiropractic perspective, we talk a lot about this, uh, how, you know, if you don't have a nervous system that is efficiently working properly, and it's basically what I, I teach it as your communication system. Yes. And so if your communication system's not working well, it doesn't matter what you put in your body. It doesn't matter how well you work out. That, if that communication system's not on, on point, yes. things that need to be transferred to communicate to the brain and the body and how the cells need to do what and follow through, 
true, yes. it's, it's not going to be optimal. And, and that was my personal experience. That what actually brought me to a chiropractor at 19 years old because I ate right. I exercised. I mean, I ran five minute miles. I, I lifted double the weight of what I, I weighed. Uh, I did all that. And, but yet I got by getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I was taught health and, you know, nutrition and exercise is the key to optimal health. But, uh, yeah, as the more as I kept eating better and the better I kept taking more supplements and herbs and doing all this, it was not getting me to where, I mean, some things would help a little bit, but it wouldn't clear to get to that point where I was like, holy cow, I'm really rocking and rolling in life. Yeah. You know, the analogy that I love to use when I chat with my, my students and my patients is kind of like this, like, um, Many of us are aware that that what runs our lives are like programs and patterns, and we, we want better results. We want to. It's almost like we want like that our apps to be working well, right? So imagine that your laptop. Do you use a Mac? Yes, I do. Okay, so let's get, say you go to the Mac, the Apple Store, and you're like, okay, my uh, for some reason my apps are always getting the spinny beach ball. It's like crashing all the time. Help! I don't know what's wrong with my computer. And the genius bar guy or gal is looking at your computer and then looks at you and goes, you know, you just need to plug the laptop in because it's low battery. (laughs) And then your apps will start working fine. And so much of our health is like that. We skip over the really, it's so obvious and so fundamental. We almost just take it for granted because our world has literally programmed us to think that it has to be complicated. We've got all these advertisements trying to sell us on expensive, complicated things when the really simple fundamentals are what's the game changer, like breath work, oxygenating yourself properly, various stress reduction practices, spending time in nature, getting sunshine, which is not just for the vitamin D, but the UV rays have all these healing medicinal properties, sleeping in complete darkness at night, having an aligned, joyful life. The first class in my six-week super wellness course, I have people do a very simple practice, which is we talk about what if... Nutrition and exercise is important, but not the most important thing. And I ask people to journal about what are those non-food nourishments that they're hungry for. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do we need to feed ourselves on a physical level, mental level, emotional level, and spiritual level that is not physical food because if you're craving at the end of the day a big tub of ice cream or a big bag of Doritos or something, it's because you're hungry for something. But we're not feeding ourselves. We're hungry for a hug, hungry for a good nap, hungry for humor and laughter. We're hungry for a good night's sleep. We're hungry for sunshine. Everybody's had that experience where if you, in the summertime, when you're getting more sunshine, you're less hungry. Yeah. Everybody's experienced how if you get a really good night's sleep, you're less hungry. If you're sleep deprived, you're like craving all kinds of junky foods in the morning if you don't get a good night's sleep, right? We all know this and now this that's scientifically verified, but I think we all know from direct experience how these things have interrelationships and it's not all these factors kind of synergize together to create our health and well-being. And if you find yourself craving junky foods all the time and feeling like, why don't I have the discipline to eat healthier? 
it may be that you're not nourishing yourself with the real stuff that your your being is really craving for, like the good night's sleep, like breath, like sunshine, like a good hug, like some fun music and dancing and laughter in your life, you know? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, there was a there was a study done, and they talked about um, they were looking at like out of three things, what would be the most impactful thing for your health? And one of them was looking at nutrition, one was looking at exercise, and one was looking at social networks. And when I say social networks, I'm not talking like your groups on Facebook or social media. I'm talking your people that you connect with, flesh to flesh, body to body, in the presence. And uh, what was interesting to find out was they actually said that social networks will override the other two every single time when it comes to health. And and you brought that up as a point because you're talking about how connecting, getting a hug, those types of things. It's that physical. There's something about the physical element that um, helps provide. And it makes sense to me because I'm my background's Italian. I was was raised Italian. My parents are first, my my dad's first generation. Um, And I can never understand when I study nutrition that how is the Japanese or Italians are in the top when it comes to health in the world. Now, I understand the Japanese cuisine and lifestyle, but I was like, the Italians, it doesn't make sense because if you look at it from a, a, a nutritional standpoint, I mean, all they do is cigarettes, carbs, and coffee. Right. Now, if you look at that for a moment, that is not the healthiest diet in the world, if you ask me. Right. But one of the things Italians do a lot of is social connection. They, and yeah. you talk a little about this in your book, I believe, because you talk about, I don't know where exactly, it's not about what you eat, it's important as how you eat. And I want to really ask you to you know, get into that because I may feel that may connect. If it doesn't, then I missed the mark. But um, but about connection and and, and, and breaking bread and, and just being with people and, and enjoying their time. Um, what about this what to eat versus how you eat? What's that all about, making expensive poop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I have worked with, uh, you know, I essentially work with two major groups of clients, the elite endurance athletes who are seeking their highest level of human performance, and then the complex patients with sometimes what has been deemed incurable conditions. And we all know the your listeners are super tapped in. We all know there's no such thing, that yep. there is actually documented cases of what they call spontaneous remission i.e. you don't really understand what happened but something happened and people healed from quote-unquote incurable conditions so that every quote-unquote incurable condition has had documented cases of great miraculous healings and i'm sure you see tons of that in your practice too as i do yep so with these patients a lot of times because these are pretty health savvy people that come to alternative medicine. When I look at what they eat, I often can't find much to change. But then once I ask people like, Hey, tell me about like your daily rhythms. You know, what time do you wake up? When do you eat your breakfast, lunch, dinner, blah, blah, blah. I discovered that so many of my patients, especially the ones that have GI complaints, I'm shocked to discover that they're eating the perfect food, but they eat in a rush. They eat on the go. They eat their really expensive, healthy, organic lunch in front of the computer while working. They scarf down a whole sandwich or a whole salad. It might be a really healthy sandwich or salad, but they scarf it down in like five minutes and then they have indigestion. And it's like, when I bring this up, everybody laughs. It's like, yeah, it's so obvious. And I ask them to monitor their poop and people see this, all this like big pieces of 
undigested kale coming out in their poop. It's like, well, yeah. So that's how I started coining this this phrase. Like, hey, are you making really expensive poop? And it really was brought home that I had this one patient that I'm so grateful for the lessons learned from accompanying her through her healing journey. She had... um, before I met her, she had already had a, a lot of different kinds of treatment, and she had really bad celiac disease where part of her small intestines had to be removed because it was so badly damaged. Um, and a variety of other immune system imbalances that she had struggled with since she was a baby because she was um, born to alcoholic parents, and, mm. and then she was raised by I think grandparents who raised her lovingly she's a beautiful sweet radiant being but she struggled with these health conditions and she went to a meditation retreat that was like a mindfulness eating practice at least that was part of the retreat prior to that she struggled so much with her her GI stuff that all she could eat was super overcooked rice and miso soup and very overcooked bland veggies. And the rest of her nutrition she got from a hypoallergenic nutrition shake. Mm. And that's how she lived, which is super limiting. She couldn't go out with her friends. You know, if she went out, she'd just sit there because she couldn't eat anything on the table. Mm -hmm. So she went to this mindfulness retreat, and they chewed just like one piece of fruit or one piece of veggie. 50, 100 times, savoring every bite, savoring every nook and cranny and tasting it thoroughly and liquefying it in their mouth. And when she came back from that retreat, she was so radiant because suddenly she could eat several things that used to give her severe gut pain. And then gradually through this mindful eating practice, she started expanding new possibilities of food that she would eat. And I had actually been introduced to mindful eating because during those days when I had just changed my career and I was eating rice and beans with my husband, I read this book by Thich Nhat Hanh Mm. called Anger. He now has a book called Savor, which is all about mindful eating. But back then, he published a book called Anger that had a chapter about mindful eating and how eating in a rush, eating on the go, overeating, this can create a congested energy that leads to people feeling anger and irritability. And that mindful eating allows you to slow it down and really digest the food and savor every bite. And and I wanted to practice this with my husband. So we would sit cross-legged like pretend monks with just a bowl of rice and beans and chew every bite 30, 50, 100 times and savor every morsel. I was like, wow, this is so economical. <laughs> we felt satiated with a half, a quarter, sometimes one-tenth of what we usually ate. And I felt very nourished at the end of each meal like that. And as a starving grad student back then, I was so (laughs) thrilled to have found a way to kind of, you know, I was like struggling month to month, week to week in terms of finances back then. So finally we could choose to buy the organic rice and beans instead (laughs) of the conventional (laughs) rice and beans. So, So the point is that when we slow down and enjoy and chew our food in a state of joy and mindfulness, then now the science shows that when we're in that parasympathetic state, that's when your saliva releases the right kind of digestive enzyme. 
that's when your gut functions optimally to actually absorb and assimilate the nutrients. You know, because good nutrition isn't just about what you stuff down the pie hole. It's the stuff that is actually integrated, digested, and assimilated into your body. Otherwise, again, you make expensive poop. You could be eating the best stuff ever, but it doesn't actually work for your body. And add to that, when you slow down and chew mindfully, you can really listen to what your body wants, what it doesn't want. And you cultivate this ability that is so important, which is to be your own best nutritionist and be your own best healer by just slowing down and deeply listening to what your body wants or doesn't want. No, it's, it's so true. And I think people, and this is a, you know, I practice a lot of mindfulness and it's the, I, I actually even teach a little on mindful eating and the importance behind it. And I always joke with the audience. I go, I have everything down. Uh, but the one thing I struggle with is mindful eating where I need to slow down and enjoy my food. <laughs> so it's really critical. And people forget digestion starts in the mouth, you know, when you, when you do that. And there's a whole thing about chewing and the importance behind it and the brain and how it responds and all that. So it's really, really critical. But I'm kind of curious. You know, you had one of your students uh, that was craving Doritos and you, you, you did the whole mindful thing with them. Uh, what was that experience like? Well, uh, yeah, that, that's another one of those things. So much of my book, Super Wellness, is about how, you know, many of us have been told that you got to have discipline. You got to, like, eat right and exercise and follow this plan and so on. And then people fall off the bandwagon and they feel all bummed out. Like there's, they're, you know, people beat themselves up because it's like, oh, I just don't have discipline to be healthy with my diet or whatever. And I discovered that it's not discipline. It's that we don't, on a deep level, it just doesn't work if you give your power away. And you listen to some external expert tell you what you should eat or what you should do with your life. Because nobody, we all know deeply that at the end of the day, nobody's ever going to know ourselves better than we do. So true. No amount of doctor with 100 years of certifications could ever know what works for you better than you do. That's not to say we don't listen to their expertise and learn from everybody, read books, take seminars and get consultations. But at the end of the day, all of that has to be checked against your own inner GPS, your own inner guidance. So and true. So the Super Wellness class is really a guided journey, and the book is a guided journey to, to invite people back home to themselves. And the funny Dorito story is that at the, it, in my six-week Super Wellness course that is the basis of this book, after week four, we're invited to do a really fun juicing practice at the end of which those listeners out there that have done juicing you know how your sense of smell and your sense of taste your clarity your intuition all of this skyrockets because you're so clean your vessel is communicating so well so you can really listen to your body like never before after a juice cleanse so my assignment to all my students after the juicing is to eat whatever you feel like Throw away all the rules about what's called so-called healthy diet, unhealthy diet. Just forget about it. Just eat mindfully anything that you want. And so our mindful practice that we do is we put on blindfolds and we sit in a state of gratitude and we smile and we breathe and we shift ourselves into that really optimal state of relaxation and joy. And then we eat it. 
And this guy was dreaming about Doritos the whole time he was doing <laughs> you saying says, ah, I'm gonna get a big bag of Doritos and eat it mindfully. So he sits there chewing one piece after another of the Doritos. And he chews every bite 30, 50 times until each piece is liquefied. And he swishes all the liquefied Doritos in his mouth. And guess what? Yeah. It was so disgusting. He had to spit <laughs> it out. He was like, ah, this is like cardboard and, and chemicals. It's just like, what the heck was I thinking? Why did I used to eat this stuff? So then he then he's like, okay, as an experiment, let me just eat it mindlessly like I always used to. And he goes, <laughs> and just scarves it down. He's like, wow, this tastes really good. Then he switches back to mindful eating and really chewing every bite 30, 50 times, liquefying it and tasting it. And again, he had to spit it out. After a couple iterations like that, he's like, you know what? I really just want some like celery and carrots. And like, I've read that. What am I thinking? This stuff is disgusting. And that was it. There was no discipline. It was just listening to his body like, he never did before, and it, it took no discipline, no willpower whatsoever to stop eating the Doritos. I love that. Yeah, and it's so powerful when you eat mindfully like that. It, 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 you, what you get out of the food uh, what really is food versus what isn't. You know, I can, that's, a, that's a cool experience there. Um, so I love that. And, you know, so when it comes to then, you know, um, you, you talked a little bit about breath work. I know. The man, the legend, Wim Hof, did the foreword on your book. Yeah, uh, he's an awesome friend and, and just a, such a great visionary and pioneer and role model for all of us for a new possibility of how awesome life could be as a new kind of human being. Yeah, I've been, I've been uh, practicing Wim Hof stuff for over three years now, so it's been uh, uh, a huge, huge fan of his work. Um, you incorporate breath work in what you do. How, you know, do you do Wim Hof, do you recommend Wim Hof style breath work? Do you have your own? Um, how, how did you, you know, come about all that? Well, you know, I've um, studied Chinese Qigong practice for a long time before I met Wim, and I've taken various trainings and workshops with a variety of different teachers, read books, and studied a lot of different methods. And, you know, I don't consider myself a world-class breathwork expert, except to say that I've really, my, my book and my work is to invite everybody to put that back into perspective within their lives. So I just share with people very simple deep breathing practices that are um, things that I've discovered from my various travels, what works for me. And I'm not a certified Wim Hof instructor. So I encourage everybody who's interested to go and go to Wim Hof method.com and just check out his official method of breath work. Um, but re with regards to the breathing, a little story, I all, a little um, inquiry that I encourage everybody to think about is to put breath back into perspective in this way. So I'm going to ask you and your audience to think about this. When it comes to food, how long has it been found that a human being can survive without eating any physical food? Do you know the answer to that? It's about 40 days, give or take. Something like 40 days, yeah. Right. And so I know that it's been said that Jesus was um, – fasting for 40 days and a lot of spiritual people also do prolonged water fast 20, 30, 40 days to 
clean their vessels so that they can get that spiritual awakening and awareness. So that's very popular to do prolonged water fast. And, you know, since Dr. Vic and myself, we're health professionals, I'd like to just mention that if you, any audience members out there want to do a prolonged water fast, please make sure it's medically supervised. Please prepare yeah. yourself properly because you can have mega detox reactions when you do a water fast if you're not prepared properly. And it can be very uncomfortable for some people, even dangerous. So don't try this at home without <laughs> medical supervision. But the point is, it's been found that a human being can survive for a long time without physical nutrition. But what about water? How long can you go without drinking water? It's always the rules of four, so it'll be four days. Yeah, three or four days, something like that. And I, yep. I know that there are documented cases of people going longer. Again, please don't try this at home. <laughs> but just to put things back into perspective, is it possible that your hydration is 10 times as important as your nutrition. Oh, yeah. So how much do people out there think about, we think like to be healthy, we got to eat the healthy diet. But what do you know about healthy hydration? That's beyond just drinking eight ounces or eight, eight ounce glasses, 64 ounces of water a day, right? Now, take it to a whole other level. How long can a human being live without breathing air? Four seconds, right? Give or take. Maybe a few minutes. Oh, a few, sorry, four minutes, four minutes, yeah. four minutes, four minutes. You're right. Something like that. You know, like world-class free divers have, have been found to go longer. A lot of people who do the Wim Hof method, myself included, after you know a few days of practicing the Wim Hof method, I find that I can just lay there all blissful because he does this hyper-oxygenation breathing practice that really pumps the chi, the prana, the oxygen into your system. So after rounds and rounds of 30, 40 huge deep breaths, you might be able to lay there for a few minutes feeling blissed out and not needing to breathe. It's possible. But the point is putting it back into the right scale of things. If a person can survive for a few minutes without breathing, is that not thousands of times then more important than your hydration, which is 10 times as important as your food. No, so it's not that your healthy nutrition isn't super important. It's just that maybe hydration is 10 times as important. And maybe your breathing practice is thousands of times more important than that. Totally. Is that possible? You know? So, um, sorry about the noise. <laughs> sorry about that. I have a new phone and, I'm still learning how to turn things off. The learning um, curve. So the point is that, that so many of us are out there focusing on healthy nutrition, but I encourage everybody to really make it a priority to study how to hydrate yourself properly and even more importantly, how to breathe and oxygenate your, your body the right way. So many of us are in researching for my book. I found that it's been found that the average modern adult breathes only 30% of their lung capacity. We're walking around feeling tired, frazzled, toxic. Actually, the, the toxins in your body, something like 70% of it is cleansed and detoxified through your exhalation. Only 30% is through peeing, pooping, and sweating. So we all know if you don't poop right, you feel really toxic, but most of us are literally constipated in our breathing 
we're not breathing deeply in and we're not exhaling fully out. We have a lot of toxic dead air in the lower lobes of our lungs and it makes us feel tired and sick all the time. And what if it's that simple? That's not to say there's not like tons of benefits from getting all the other therapies that you want to get out there, but make sure you get these fundamentals right. So I have this little saying, get your A's in order. Whenever you feel tired, stressed out, frazzled, you know, overwhelmed, make sure you get your air. So A is for air. And then A is for agua, right? Mm -hmm. Air first, agua second. And then the third is umph. My husband came up with this umph as in eating. So make sure you breathe air, make sure you hydrate agua, make sure you eat something healthy umph. But in that order, get your A's in order. I love it. Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, two thirds of the lungs and the lower half of them is what absorbs the most oxygen too. So it's like if you're not if you're a shallow breather, like most people are nowadays, uh, due to our higher stress levels and just not taking those deeper breaths, uh, we don't get all the oxygen that we need. And that's where I love Wim Hof stuff because he you go deep into the lungs uh, when you do that type of breathing. Yes, and so many of us are hearing about these kind of like beautiful spontaneous awakening experiences yes that we think that you need to go to the amazon jungle and do ayahuasca ceremonies and all this stuff but and that's not to say those that's not beautiful and awesome too but what if we can tap into those higher states of consciousness through breath alone yeah. And I know that in my book, I share a little bit of um, a Qigong practice back in 2003 that changed everything for me through breath work and meditation, no drugs involved, nothing, just deeply in meditation and in breath work, this shock and surprise of suddenly bursting out of my physical beingness and into the size of the entire cosmos. That was so beautiful so indescribable, just pure love and light and complete contentment and oneness with all of the cosmos through the breath. And when I came back from that, it was just, it was like these, these tears of pure gratitude and also a kind of tears of sorrow for how our world exists at a level where, you know, this kind of beauty and oneness is all the time right here, so close. And yet most of the time our society hasn't taught us how to access that state. And after that experience, it caused me to question everything. It was a huge part of the fundamental kind of like paradigm shift that happened in my life where I just started looking at all of life with new eyes, questioning everything that I've ever been taught, including these kinds of questions like, is eat right and exercise the key to our health? Or is there something much grander, much more powerful at play here? You know? I love that. Was that part of your nine days and nine nights of meditating? That was another, um, another beautiful retreat. So in 2013, when I was still in Chinese medicine school, I had that first Qigong awakening experience, which kind of anybody out there listening who's had one experience like that, you start to notice that it, it 
opens you to the possibilities of more and more like series of experiences, which each kind of inform your understanding of reality in a new way. And um, in 2013, had this amazing blessing of going to Thailand to do a darkness meditation retreat which was in Thailand at this special retreat center that's built by Mantak Chia. He's a famous Qigong master, and he built this building that is designed for dark meditation, meaning the ancient yogis, the ancient Qigong masters, the Egyptian alchemists. There's this group in um, Colombia named the Kogi Mamos who are famous also for meditation in the darkness. And in that darkness, you can drop much deeper into a state of stillness where you actually, your, your, your body produces DMT continuously, which gives you a visionary state, but it's not from taking DMT from outside in, it's from actually generating it from inside out. So this building is designed for meditation in prolonged periods of darkness where they have all the windows are covered, so there's ventilation, but no light can come in. The building has like four or five layers of dark curtains so that the service, the staff of the retreat center can come bring water and juice into the building by wearing dark vision goggles. And there's actually, instead of like meditation in a cave, which you have to battle scorpions and snakes and stuff, this is like modern amenities with a real bed with your private bedroom and bathroom and a meditation hall that you gather in there's a facilitator that rings a bell and in this case it's Jazz Muheen a beautiful meditation teacher from Australia she guided my retreat and she would ring a bell and do guided meditation practices a few times a day and um, it taught me so many things that I think just The nine days and nine nights we spend in complete darkness taught me so many things that it was almost like decades of meditation collapsed into a week and a half. Because the first few nights, I didn't even think that I was sleep deprived, but I realized that I had never experienced complete darkness in my life before, living in urban areas all my life. So first of all, experiencing complete darkness, I realized that I was so hungry for the nourishment of that kind of darkness that I had no idea what I was missing out on all my life. And I slept literally like a baby, but I didn't even sleep that well when I was a baby, to be honest. This, (laughs) I was so deeply restful. It was shocking to mind blowing how restful it was to be in complete darkness. And it was like, now I know from my research for the book and with my clients that melatonin is producing complete darkness and melatonin has powerful tissue healing qualities, anti-inflammatory qualities, anti-cancer, immune boosting qualities. Every cell of your body needs melatonin at night to bathe it, to heal the cells. And I was probably partially melatonin deprived all my life at night growing up in cities. But after the first two or three days, I was so completely well-rested that for the subsequent seven days, I hardly ever slept. And when the melatonin is saturated, your body starts to produce more and more DMT, which gives you a visionary, lucid dreaming type of experience. But it's a very gentle, kind of smooth, not like a super blast of DMT like some people you hear about who've done DMT or maybe ayahuasca journey. Sometimes, depending on the dose, people have different experiences. 
when you meditate in darkness, your body produces a gentle, consistent dose of DMT. And when we meditate, everybody out there who meditates has had this experience where you drop deeply into meditation and sometimes this kind of like insight comes to you. You ask a big question about your life and the answers just go pow and you have this aha moment where the clarity comes and it sometimes comes in an inner knowingness or a physical feeling but in the dark room retreat it would come in beautiful multicolor multidimensional omnivision psychedelic <laughs> colorful visions to accompany those answers and so it gave me a different kind of confidence from the answers that were coming to me in meditation because it would like all the senses were locked in. I feel like mind, body, spirit, all levels was engaged in that experience of receiving these beautiful answers about the big questions of life. And it wasn't always big questions. There was like one, one day I said, I need to build a new website when I come out of this retreat. What's that website going to look like? And then pow, all the visions come. And it was just shown to me every page, everything on that website. And I just scribbled in the dark amazingly my journal was totally legible when I came out of the darkness all the notes that I jotted down so it was like made me realize that dropping into these deep states what they called alter states is actually really practical yes it's really useful for practical day-to-day -day life you know there was a time in my life where I especially after my 2003 Qigong awakening experience where I used to go to meditation to almost escape the stress of this reality. But now I like to use meditation to get answers to live in this reality in a better way, you know, to get that spiritual guidance so that I can be really practical and grounded two feet on the earth, totally like a real person in the physical world that is informed by spirit. And I think that's a journey that probably we're all on integrating the spiritual dimension back into the physical dimension instead of running away from the problems of our life. Because let's face it, there's a lot of stressful things about what's going on in our world. And we could use meditation to escape it, or we could use meditation to help heal them. I, I love how you say that because I use it. I always use meditation as a tool to connect with me, but at the moment, like you just said, how to create solutions or how can I learn more from it or how can I gain uh, insights that my conscious mind can't see, you know, and, and so much more. So I love how you bring that up. Yeah. And for someone like myself who's done tons of meditation in dark, not nine days straight, I would love to do something like that. I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, but getting like the DMT type of experience through meditation, um, I've had experience and I have done ayahuasca. So I've seen what ayahuasca does. And that is like, holy cow, intense DMT experience. Mm -hmm. but, but, but having that experience, it gave me an understanding to know when I'm there. And that I've been doing that all my life. It was one of those interesting things where I'm like, I've been here before, but yes. not, this, not this crazy though. I, I like the subtle, calm, smooth stuff. And it was just interesting through meditation how I was able to tap back into that and be like, ah, here I am. This is where it's at. And like you said, ask a question, bam, here it comes with all that you need. And it's like download so fast. Yes. Um, so I love how you brought that all up, by the way. Yes. And the other thing is when I came out of the darkroom retreats, 
the the last day that you come out of the dark room retreat, they give you these sunglasses because even though a sunset time is not that bright, your eyes still need some time to adjust. So you you it's the most beautiful moment actually of the whole retreat is after all this all the beautiful visionary journeys of the nine days and nine nights in darkness, we all put on our sunglasses and walk out to see a sunset that that last day. And as we take off our sunglasses after you adjust your eyes, it was this intensely beautiful, every flower, every rock, every leaf, you can see every little, like the, the geometry of cosmic creation peeping through. You know, if any listeners out there have has ever done like LSD or something, you know what I'm talking about. But this is the medicine that your body made from inside out with no external substances involved. And as I gaze at the sunset, it was like, this is so beautiful. And it is always here. It's just that sometimes we don't have the eyes to see, you know, and, and, and it made me sob in so much gratitude and also feel like, this commitment that I really want to commit my life so that I don't lose sight of just how gorgeous life is ever again, because it is always here. We just need to attune ourselves with the eyes to see just how magnificent life really is and how, how I grieved, I, how sad it is that our world, we live in a world that doesn't cultivate this kind of vision. You know, we're missing out. So true. So true. I mean, we, as I always like to say, we're living that 1% reality instead of living the 99% reality that you were experiencing. Yes. Um, yes. So true. What, you know, as we wind up here, what are, you know, people listening who may be struggling with like their health or wellness and those types of things, what can you share would be the number one advice you have for them? I would say the number one advice is that it's not that you shouldn't be listening to the experts out there but never above and beyond your own inner guidance. Always know that you are the boss and the CEO of your own life. Always remember that your doctor's appointments might be like five to 10 minutes a few times a year, but your doctor's appointment with yourself is 24 seven, 365 year after year. You have the opportunity to know yourself way better than any so-called expert out there. And so we want to take cues from all the experts, read books, learn from everybody. But at the end of the day, please always test it out for yourself. Figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And remember that all the so-called experts out there, they're actually just minions working for you. So you're (laughs) the boss of your own life. Please don't ever forget that. Love that. Very powerful. How can people follow you and, and find your book, Doc? Okay, um, my book is called Super Wellness. That's spelled Super Wellness, one word, not two words. You can find Super Wellness on Amazon, but we also have an awesome website called superwellness.com that has tons of free resources. I have something called a 30-day Super Wellness Challenge, which is just the most mind-blowingly awesome and simple five to 10 minutes a day practice 
to charge up your energy. And people are telling me that they feel consistently 30% better energy on a consistent everyday basis when they do this 30-day challenge of breath work and qigong and simple self-care. So the point is that it actually doesn't have to be so complicated. It's so much more simple than our world has told us. And on superwellness.com, you can find also a six-week course and our upcoming retreat and lots of free, awesome content videos. And you'll get invited to our monthly live free webinar gatherings and so on. And for those listeners out there, which I'm guessing is everybody who love to explore the frontiers of human possibilities, I also have a, a podcast. It's called The Dr. E Show, thedreshow.com, where I interview people like Wim Hof and other super awesome game changers and pioneers around the world who are at the absolute frontier edges of human possibilities, totally awesome, mind-blowing conversations. So I invite all of you guys to join us for these awesome conversations. I love it. I'll be definitely checking out your podcast and uh, yeah, I'll be reading your book too. So I was excited to have you on. It was a joy. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for the work that you do that is changing the game on the planet. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you. And, and, and likewise, I couldn't, uh, with all the work you're doing, I, I greatly appreciate it. So, um, but again, um, uh, thank you for being on and uh, I look forward to uh, connecting again soon. Thanks, Dr. Vic. Thanks, Dr. Edith. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.